But I want to talk this morning about people say this is a, a bad eye on our society. We've had hurricanes, there's been earthquakes throughout the world, a lot of devastation coming. I've been listening to the people talk about, well, this is God's judgment on America, this is God's judgment for coming. I believe that probably is a part of it, that he's saying, wake up. Um, but we know that men will be what they're going to be. And what they think is right, in their own eyes, and there's something that we can do to try to overcome and try to be able to teach people. We were talking in Sunday school this morning about the teaching that we've been doing for several years now, and particularly in the Sunday school classes, Randy's class, we've been really going through the Bible just verse by verse and taking on things as we can dissect it because we need to have the Word of God in us. Not our opinion, but the Word of God because that's what matters. That's where righteousness lies. That's how we can follow God. That's how we can obey God is if we know the word and if it's rightly divided. We took a, a covenant to join the church saying that to the, the word rightly divided. And so that's the thing that we have to ensure that we keep putting inside of us. This is the pure thing. The only pure thing in your life is the Bible. Not the iPad, but the Bible that's on the iPad. That is the foundation for us. That's what holds us together. These things that have happened have spurred on the political talk. The political talk of we got to start controlling weapons. we got to start doing this and that. If you ever think about it and look back in history, the good, that bad guys is always a step ahead of the good guys. You don't know you need to fix it till it's broke. And so we got these debates coming on. Every time a shooting happens, that's what everybody does. They get to talking about these kinds of things. Failing to realize that it's a heart problem. We want to fix stuff. That's what we do. We want to fix things. But we have to do it the right way. Otherwise, it doesn't get fixed. We make a bigger mess out of it. We debate over what we're going to do about our gun laws. We debate over who can be in our country and who can't be in our country. And yet bad things are still happening. We cannot regulate our way out of it. We are now debating on whether or not you should take a knee or not whenever the national anthem is took. Let me give you a word of warning, brothers and sisters. We should never, ever, ever raise the flag higher than the cross. That being said... I choose to say I'm of the belief that I'm going to respect my national anthem. And those people can answer for whatever they want to answer for, however they want to do it, because I can't make them, right? Neither can you. We can bend things a certain way. We can stop uh, supporting. That would work, wouldn't it? People just quit going to football games, then that's not on the news anymore. Because eventually they go broke and then they don't play no more, right? I've never understood how come a guy can make, you know, $50 million a year chasing a ball around. Something's broke there. And I'm not knocking anything. If you're there and you're going to go home Sunday today and watch football, more power to you, enjoy it. 
If you think we should have better gun laws, then that's your, that's your right to say that. That's what Brother Eddie and Brother Carson and some of these others have gone and fought for is for our freedoms. Now those freedoms come with a price and this is the regulator of our freedoms. If we do it this way, then we have a lot less problems. You see, God said, I put these things here not to be a, a commanding God that's sitting up here waiting for you to mess up so I can shoot a holy lightning bolt down and blow your shoes off your feet. No, he said, I'm doing this to protect you. The things that he has put in the word is to protect us because as believers, and don't raise your hands unless you want to, but as you've been a believer, has God been growing you? That means that when you got saved, there were some things he had to fix. And if we live for the, another 40 years, that's what he's going to be doing in us is he's going to be molding us and shaping us and fixing us. Once he shows us something, you know, if we didn't know it, then, then once you do know it, it's called sin. It's called disobedience. And disobedience to God is what causes a lot of troubles to come because he wants to get his people back. But we've had these disasters to hit. But I was thinking about something the other day of a lot that I have seen. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 12 and verse 1 through 8, and then I'm going to maybe read another one. And I just want to talk to you a little bit. Oh, George, right, man, just thank God for George. He's back there. I said, hey, they got a chair rolling around, wheels about to come off of it, running the music, running the words. And if he don't get it, that's okay. You can have your Bibles, open them up. If not, listen to me read. Matthew chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read that David, when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known that, what that means, what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of Sabbath, of the Sabbath. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Those words are in red in my Bible, so Jesus said it. We need to let that sink in. We can get ourselves on some high horses and get awful powerful with the things that we do that we call sacrifice and doing it for Jesus. But he said, I desire mercy rather than sacrifice. Mercy, it appears 269 times in the Bible, in the New Testament. Mercy is what Christianity hinges on. And so if he desires that, that should be our hearts also, mercy. 
I don't want you to read anything into what I'm saying here this morning. I want us to let this come into our hearts. Matthew 9 and 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Mercy is a very powerful thing, isn't it? Anybody in here ever had mercy other than the day you were saved? Boss give you mercy, maybe? Spouse give you mercy? Mercy is a very powerful thing. Mercy is something the devil don't know anything about. He's the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. He tries to find all the loopholes, and every time that we mess up, he tries to take us down with it. He goes to God and tells him about it. God says, well, I see the blood of Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Man says, I agree. And then we start taking sides about this and that and the other thing simply because the lack of mercy. Mercy is powerful. Mercy will tear down strongholds. Mercy is so powerful, though, that it's something that can hurt us if we don't do it right. Proverbs 21 and 21 says, He who follows righteousness and mercy finds his life, righteousness and honor. He who follows righteousness and mercy finds his life, finds life, righteousness, and honor. So many things that people are doing today, they're looking to receive honor from men, but yet not having mercy in their heart, you can't have it according to what the Bible says. We have to seek after righteousness. And we have to have mercy. And when we do, then we find our lives. That's what that says, right? Make sure you all read. Yeah, you find your life, righteousness, and honor. Mercy's powerful. Mercy's so powerful that on the Calvary when Jesus Christ went to the cross and when he said it is finished, it's powerful enough that it's reached out 2,000 years and people are still coming to faith. People are still growing in the word. People are still learning how to be like Jesus, still letting the Holy Ghost do the work that he does in our lives. Still seeking the word, still digging into the word, not trying to find a reason or excuse that we cannot be this way, but rather finding a way of coming to the Lord and asking him, help me, Father, to be just like you. Amen? And that's what we do. As believers, that's what we should be doing. The Hebrew children. You remember them, right? You remember we was talking about Joseph the other week and how he was in prison. Now Joseph was in prison because of what? His brothers was jealous. 
He's a dreamer, and they didn't care what God said. They figured they'd go ahead and take it into their own hands and, and fix it themselves. And they were going to kill him, but they decided to go ahead and toss him into a pit, steal his coat of many colors so that they could put some animal's blood on it, go back and tell Daddy he's dead, get his inheritance, and not have to listen to him no more. That's what they wanted. Had God granted them that, then we wouldn't have the book of Exodus. I put a T on that, didn't mean to. Y'all hear that? <laughs> Exodus. I don't know why I can't talk this morning. But what he did was he went through the trial period of going to prison, being falsely accused of things, and yet, whenever he reached the end of the road, when the time was ripe, he had the opportunity to have his brothers killed off. When they showed up in Egypt because they were starving, the very guy that they hated and didn't want to see no more was the very guy that was a good thing they did see. So they got to keep all the money that they brought and the gold and all the trinkets, all that Jacob had sent with them. Got to keep it all, plus get the food Plus, they got to be brought into the, to this, not to promised land, but into uh, Goshen. Is that right, Goshen? Fertile land, good place. They, was able, they were brought into there, and they spent 400 years growing as a nation because Joseph did what God said to do. He did it God's way. Had they got what they wanted, then we wouldn't have those stories, and I don't know how, what God would have done, but he would have figured out something, because he always does. He's never wrong. And so, it was God's mercy that took them to this place. Whenever it was time for them to come out of, the, out of Egypt, out of slavery, because the first king had died and a couple others had come, it had been 400 and some years, 430 years, something like that. Um... They didn't recognize what the previous king had said, what he was going to do, so what they did was they made them slaves. These people started crying out to God, and God heard them. He took Moses, you know the story of Moses, and his mama, you know, put him in the, put him in the basket. He floated down. Pharaoh's uh, daughter finds him. She raises him, uses his mama, by the way, to nurse him, not knowing what's going on. You see, that's mercy. That's the mercy of God saying, you know what, I'm going to provide for this child because I have a plan for him. So this plan that he has for him, he gets to where he's seeing these slaves, these Hebrew slaves treated bad because they think he's an Egyptian. And he says, you know what, this ain't right. And he starts standing up for them. And the next thing you know, now he's down there working with them, working hard. He comes to a place that he kills a man. Now most of us would say jack the jail up and put him under it. But not God. So he has to go out and spend 40 years in the wilderness, I guess getting his heart right. The Bible doesn't tell us, so that part I'm reading into it. But he spent a lot of time out in the wilderness because he was seeking God, and when he was ready, God sent him back. And he goes back and he says, let my people go, he says to Pharaoh. And he says, I ain't going to do it. So you have all these plagues that come on them. God's mercy, by the way, is still working because it's working on the Hebrew children. We know that because we've read the book and we know they get out. 
So it's God's mercy. And when they get into the wilderness, they're whining and complaining about everything. They want to go back over to Egypt. They want to go back to where the food's good. They want it out, now they want back. Does that sound like anybody you know today? Does it sound like our generation of people? Can't be pleased for nothing, and if you give it to me, I wanted it different. Sweetie, you didn't make that cornbread right. You should have did it this way. Well, last week you liked it that way. Well, I want it this way this week, and you should have known it. I mean, you are a godly person. You talk to God, right? He should have told you how I wanted my cornbread. You see how we think and what goes on? And God's patience was 40 years longer now because these people are wandering around in a circle because of God's mercy. He could have wiped them out and said, I don't want anything else to do with you. I'm going to go find somebody else. But it was God's mercy that got them to the place. You see how powerful and strong mercy is? It is very, very powerful. David, you remember that little fellow, right? Slingshot, David and Goliath. Is the clock right, George? Doesn't matter. David. So David, he's born. Samuel gets sent to go and anoint him to be the, 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 the king when he's a little boy. He goes over and hooks up with Saul. Now he thinks life is fixing to be good. I'm going to kind of learn how to do king and from the king until they come marching back into the city one day and you know the, the jealousy thing came in again Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands and he gets enraged and basically lives a worthless life after that because he can't get over it but he wasn't able to kill David why? because of God's mercy for David and because of God's mercy, Saul had time to repent. Chose not to. Now you need to get that part in you real good because we have that free will that God tells us. What I was telling you earlier about all these things going on in our nation, it don't matter if dirt's in front of your name. What matters is, are we going to do it God's way? Now, I don't want to see you walk down in the dirt, but if you choose to, then that's what you choose to do. If you ask me to get you out, I'll get dirty with you. That's what we do as believers. That's what God does. So he made the way, and he let mercy come in. So David, okay, he, he survives. He could have killed Saul. Remember that part? He was in a cave, and Saul went in there to relieve himself. David walks up and takes his pocket knife out. Probably an old-timer. Cuts a little piece of his dress off or his little skirt, his gown, that thing he wears, a robe. <clears throat> and whenever Saul gets done, he walks out. He says, yo, wait a minute, king. I want you to know I don't want to hurt you. Because I could have. I took my not pocket knife and I cut this off of your hem of your garment. I could have killed you. But that's not what's in my heart. You see, David now is practicing mercy. When he practiced mercy, it's a good thing he had some mercy sitting in the bank, right? You remember his story? Because he gets to become king, and then all of a sudden one night he's out there, he sent his men out to war, he stayed back for whatever reason. 
goes out on a nice warm night looking over things, his kingdom, and spots this woman taking a bath down on the roof below. And lust joined in on him. He sends for her, she comes up. I don't need to tell you what happened, but they ended up having a baby later on from it. But while that's going on, he starts getting this web weaved. And when the web starts getting weaved, it's bad. Oh, it gets bad. So he sends for Uriah, her husband. Bring him in from the battle. He's thinking, all right, she's pregnant. And nobody needs to know it. They didn't have DNA back then. God's always had DNA, by the way. And I'll bring him in. He can go lay with his wife and he'll think it's his and everything will be copacetic. But Uriah was an honorable man and he says, you know what, my man's out there and sleeping on the dirt and they're, they're in the battle all the time. It just wouldn't be right for me to go in with my wife. I'll just hang out right here and sleep on the porch. Now as conniving as David is, he says, well, that ain't going to work. Don't sure that would work. He's been gone for months. So then he comes up with another plan. He writes this note and gives it to the captain of the guard and says, take it back to the leader. And when he gets there, nobody's to read it. It's got the seal on it. And when he reads it, the message was, we put Uriah up front with everybody and then pull back and don't tell him. I'm ad-libbing this big time, y'all, but that's how the story goes, right? If I get wrong, raise your hand, we'll settle it. Before we leave today, that'd be great if we could. So he does that and the man gets killed. He hooks up with Bathsheba. They have a baby. The baby dies. Something happens to him though. Repentance sets in. He is so sorrowful. He is so sorrowful. He can't go back and apologize to Uriah. Baby died. But he knew what was going on with God. And you know what? God called him a man after his own heart. Look around you today. Some of y'all growed up with each other. Y'all know all kinds of bad stuff on each other. And I know it's true because when I got saved and the people I was around, they said that ain't going to last. Well, so far it's lasting. Praise the Lord, exactly. I'm a <laughs> I never shall forget the day. But he said, he's a man after my own heart. He had given mercy and then he was able to receive it. I'll count probably three or four times over for some of those things. God is in the business of giving mercy. Amen. Amen. You're sitting here today, you got stuff sitting on your back. Understand this, God's in the business of mercy. You look around you, now some of us might not quite be there yet. We ain't got all good in Jesus yet. We ain't got all the word to finish yet. We don't even know if the Holy Ghost exists or not, some of us. But I'm telling you, if he exists and he's in you, you're going to be just like Jesus and mercy's going to flow. It has to. That's the only way that it can happen is his mercy. And I don't care where it is, what it is, it doesn't matter. The teaching that he gives us says this is trouble. Our job is not to go casting the stones. Our job is to try to help deliver. Amen? what we were called to, right? Take the good news to all, the whole earth, right? Take it all out, give it to everybody, take that out. Give them the good news. We know that Job received some mercy. Remember Job, he had all, he was a rich guy. 
And it tells how much he had in all the livestock, and he had seven youngins. Am I right on that? Seven? He had seven youngins. Satan's going up and down through the earth and saying, you know what? God says, what have you been doing? I've been going up and down through the earth. God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's righteous. Is that the word he used, Brother Willie? He's righteous. You mean to tell me he hadn't done anything wrong or he was living on? I don't know. God said he was righteous. That's good enough for me, right? So what happens? He says, you can do anything you don't want to. Well, Satan first says, if you didn't put a hedge up around him, everything, he, would, he wouldn't serve you. God says, all right. Now, let's remember before we go any further, God don't make you do anything. Amen? He will not do it. If you're sitting there calling upon God, thinking he's going to sit down and make you do something, you're praying amiss because he won't do that. You've got to want to walk with him. Right? But he knew. He knew that Job was going to come through it okay. But yet he had something he wanted to show Job about Job. So we got all these chapters, 40-some chapters in the book of Job. You get up there next to the end, and his wife done told him to curse God and die. His friends done said, you've got to be a bad guy, otherwise all this wouldn't be coming on you. But that wasn't the answer. So him and God have a showdown one day and he starts talking to God and says, in, in essence, more or less, man, I have served you. I've been going through all this mess and I don't like it. God, you owe me some answers. Now, he got a little bit of a daddy treatment now because God says, where was you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, did I ask you to lay the plumb line for me? And he goes through this whole myriad of stuff telling him, buddy, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. I didn't ask you advice, didn't need it, and don't want it. That's what God was basically saying to him. He did it in a kind way, but he was very straight. He was very stern. And when we got to the end of it, what Job got to learn about Job was, I got just a smidgen of pride sitting in me, and we know that the Bible tells us that pride comes before the fall. Once he got that fixed, God restored him. He ended up having 14 youngins. He got back all that he had lost. Life was good because he stood the test that God put him through. And that was God's mercy. Do you understand how that's God's mercy? Because that pride would have destroyed him. Pride would have destroyed that man. And yet, whenever God met up with Satan, he said he's righteous. So that had to happen that way. That was God's mercy coming in and doing its work. Having mercy doesn't mean we condone stuff, folks. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? As our minds fixed to the place that having mercy does not, by any means, mean that we condone anything that is wrong. Now, if we think and picture God as sitting up on his throne waiting to mess up and shoot lightning bolts at us, then yeah, we've got to do all this performing to please God. What kind of performing did you have to do on salvation? He said, no, I'm giving you these rules because that's where trouble lies. And I love you so much, you fall down, I'm going to do everything I can to help you. You've got a choice to make. Each and every day, maybe a thousand times, we're going to make the choice but that's God's mercy. You ever wondered why when you got saved, 
I, I, I think about this. When I get saved, the closest that I ever am with God or ever was with God probably was the day that I got saved because I believed so much in Him. I believed so much that I could be saved because of what Jesus did at the cross. That he is a real man. And I believed so much that I could call on Him and pray. I believed so much in God that salvation came. And you have to believe. You can't just say a prayer and not believe. You've got to believe. And so salvation comes because of the believing. And I wonder why in the world, Lord, didn't you just go ahead and take me on out of here to heaven while I was fresh and perfect? You ever wondered that? The reason being is so we can have moments like this to go out and teach the world. You see, the problem in America today and the stuff that's going on is moral issues. And you can't legislate your way out of them. It takes good sound, Bible doctrine, Bible teaching. Sometimes it means some tough conversations. How many of you like to have tough conversations? Let me see your hands. You really do? I don't. They ain't fun. Tough conversations are not fun. I've spent 32 years of my adult life working and doing something to where it seems like confrontation is always there. Folks, it makes you weary. So you've got to keep going back to Jesus, getting a little load of mercy, because that's the only way you can give mercy is unless you get it from Him. Amen? That's the only way I can have it. I have to go, sometimes go back and remember where I was, know what I was saved from, to know that mercy came through. Mercy. It's something we have to have. God said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. We sing a song, we sing sacrifices of praise. In Psalms it tells us about sacrifice and raising our hands and praising God. Jesus says, I didn't come for all this. I want mercy and not sacrifice from you. Now he does go on and tells us when they're talking about the, the tithing and the things like that. He says, this you should not do and not leave the other undone. I'm not, it's not a tithing message, but what he was talking about, you forgot the weightier matters of the law, the mercy. Mercy's in there in one of those words. You don't have mercy, compassion. That you should do and not leave the other undone. So the point is, is you can't give to God and buy your way into heaven. I don't care if you got $2 or $2 million. You ain't going to outgive God. God gets ready to take care of somebody. He's going to do it with you without you. Amen? He'll put somebody in there if he's got to get two million people with a dollar. He's going to take care of it because that's what God does. He says, no, I want you to have mercy because if you got mercy, now I can work. It's a hard message to preach in a peach. I cannot talk today. Preach. In a Pentecostal church sometimes because we get very legalistic sometimes and we have to watch ourselves and make sure we don't do that. Amen? The rest of you will get it someday because I'm going to keep preaching it. We have to have mercy. Legalism is what the Pharisees did. Read the word. Legalism, legalism, legalism. And he called them snakes. Let's make sure we don't let legalism come inside of us when we're trying to teach people. 
when we're trying to discipline and do those kinds of things, which the Bible does teach us to do, we have to make sure that we got a good, healthy dose of mercy. Amen? Don't worry about it. As Brother Clement said, ain't nobody getting into heaven ain't supposed to be there. So that's not our job. That's Jesus' job. So we got to let him do the work he's going to do. I'm going to tell you what mercy is. Mercy's tough sometimes. Oh, it's good to receive it, but boy, it ain't no fun to give it sometimes. But we must give mercy. Let's go to James chapter 3 verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable. Now that's all of these things, okay? This is a progression. Gentle, willing to yield. How many of us are willing to yield in 2017? That's where most of our fights come from. We are not willing to yield. Why do we fight over colors of carpet and paint on the parking lot and what all this, all these kinds of things within our own home because we're not willing to yield. So that wisdom didn't come from above. But he says it's first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Without partiality. Jesus went to the cross for everybody, you and me. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we yet did not sin. You think, well, okay, I've got a problem with heroin or what? Yeah, let's pick something. And somebody comes up, Randy, you want some of this? Randy said, no, I don't want none of that. That's not the kind of temptation he's talking about. He's talking about Randy already knows what it's about and he's having a hard time saying no. That's the temptation that Jesus went through. He was tempted in all points like as we. That means he understands what people who are addicted to things go through. Whether you be addicted to substance, whether you be addicted to money, whether you be addicted to fame, whether you be addicted to honor, whatever the addiction may be that will come between us and God, when it's hard to say no, when it's hard to overcome that, that is the point that Jesus was tempted like as we, but yet he did not sin. He didn't give in to it. And therefore, he knows how to give a good dose of mercy. Amen? Gives a good dose of mercy, don't he, Brother Eddie? Oh, he gives us mercy every day. Every day. And I thank him for it. Go to chapter 2, verse something. 17. I got to look at my notes, y'all. I forgot it. Verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now let's dissect that for just a minute. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. You want to have mercy, you got to give it. That's what that says. That's Ken's breakdown of it in modern day English. You want mercy, then you better be giving it. Because if you can't give it, you can't receive it. Because mm. mercy triumphs over judgment. It's a whole lot easier to have mercy on somebody and get them through the things that they are facing so that they now can come into the fullness of Christ and to grow. And it has to be mercy coming because of it. 
Folks, we've got a lot of problems happening in our nation today, and if we don't open our eyes and look at it, at some point we may tip over to the place that we don't have mercy for people. And I believe that's happening today just as much as, as it's ever happened simply because we're watching churches die. We won't go and have the hard conversations. We won't take the word and dissect it and reason as the Bible tells us, which is what will set us free. Because of the mercy that we don't have, and I fear that someday, 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 we're going to stand before Jesus, and if we had no mercy, we get no mercy. He put it into our hands, and we have to have that. Amen? It's time to leave. I heard the train. We have to have that mercy. Matthew 5 and 7, and I'm going to be done with one more scripture after this. Anybody know what that comes from? The Beatitudes. You remember me telling you about that? It's your Beatitude. You need to be that way. That's our Beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You want to receive mercy, then you got to give mercy. And don't think just because things is going good, God ain't noticed. God is very patient. He's long-suffering. As a matter of fact, love talks about that we're very patient. We're very kind. We're long-suffering. And that's what God is for us. Don't let us take that He hasn't done anything or this ain't come about. Don't take it that God's okay with it. If it goes against the Word of God, He ain't okay with it. He's trying to help us. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Give mercy, give mercy, give mercy, always give mercy. You see, we've got to have that. We have to be able to teach that in our, in our churches. We've got to be able to teach that to our communities. When we have mercy, then we're not looking at somebody and measuring them up and seeing if they're worthy to come in and be around us. We're not doing any of those things. We're just having mercy like Jesus did when He hung on the cross and said, It is finished. That was the pinnacle of mercy happening. It is finished. And parents, with youngins, raise your kids. Teach them in the ways of God. Because there's a world out there that wants them, and if we don't do our part of pointing them in the right direction and giving them that truth that we so like to sing about and talk about just how powerful God's Word is, the devil's going to come and get them. Angelo, Michelle, y'all about to have a youngin. I'm going to give you advice, whether it be here or somewhere else. Make sure you teach your baby about the ways of God and have him in church. Because the very minute he comes out, there's one that hates you and hates you, and he hates that baby. Don't let him have him. Don't let him have him. That's the biggest mercy you'll show your child is teaching them about Jesus. And you're going to learn about mercy because he's going to do some things and you're going to have to whip him and don't want to. Am I right, church? Y'all ever done that or am I the only one? Didn't want to do it, but I had to. We got to be able to give mercy. We've got to be able to let the power of God to flow. We have our testimonies of healings. We have our testimonies of salvations. We have our testimonies of all the things that God has seen us through. 
we come and we pray and we seek God. We still got our board back there praying for the community. I'm still waiting for people to come in. One of two things is either happening. We either ain't praying or God's giving them time. And if he's giving them time, it don't matter if there's two of us in here. He said we're two or three gathered together. There I am. And we work all out. All out every day. Whether there's two of us or 200 sitting in here. Amen. Mercy. Take this word out and give it to somebody. Mercy. Don't find a place in the Bible where you can contradict that because you cannot if you divide it right. Mercy. Got to give 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 mercy if we're going to receive mercy. That's what the word says. That's not Ken's doing. But that's what he gave us. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I beg you, come forward and let us pray with you. I beg you to come forward. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, would you come forward and receive him because he is so full of mercy for you right now, he's bursting at the seams. If you feel like you've gone to a place that you just can't be able to to give mercy right now, then you need to come and get a dose of mercy. That's what I'm talking about. You got a song, brother? Something soft and easy if you can, I guess. Whatever Jesus gave you. You're the music guy. He didn't tell me. If you need to talk to Jesus today about having mercy and being able to give mercy, just one more time, Lord, let me have it in me to give mercy just one more time. Come and pray this morning. Because we have to have it. We've got to have mercy and we've got to give it away. Freely you have received, freely you must give. Freely you've received mercy, freely we give mercy. We've got to have mercy, folks. Come and pray this morning. I know it's straightforward, but come and pray. I don't want to get you worked up in some kind of emotional frenzy. I want it to be real for you this morning. Come and receive what God has for you. I'm going to leave you with one scripture before we leave today. And that's in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We're going to do the Bible this morning. Stand to your feet if you would, please. We're going to do what the Bible says this morning. I want you to find somebody in this congregation that whoever the Lord leads you to, it might be your spouse, it might be someone else. But we're going to meet up with somebody at their chair, at this altar, I don't care where it is. And find out what's going on. Are they rejoicing or are they mourning right now? We got stuff going on in our lives. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This might be your moment to come to him with a brother or sister because he said we're two or three are gathered. There I am in the midst. So we're going to power up this morning with somebody. Just find you. Just move right now. Find you somebody and we're going to find out what they're mourning. You don't have to tell your whole story, but just say I'm mourning right now. And so we mourn with those that mourn and we rejoice with those that rejoice. See, we had to practice the word. We watched football, college football yesterday. And these guys ran plays and some of them were perfectly executed. You know why? Because they had been practicing for months. 
We're going to run this play this week. They had been practicing it. They had been putting it into action and into motion this morning. Find somebody to pray with. We're going to do the Bible. Pray with someone. We got to start somewhere. Pray with someone. Find them. Find them right now. Find them and let's pray with them.